You are listening to First Church Charlotte. Hello, everyone. My name is Nathan. It is an honor of mine to spend a few moments with you this evening. Uh, thank you for watching. Let's, let's get right into the scripture together. I am thinking today quite a lot about what it means to see the Lord. We celebrate seeing the Lord quite a lot as believers. We, we sing songs about seeing the Lord. Um, even in some of our national uh, songs like, uh, Mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Uh, we celebrate this as something we believe to be important. We often will say one to another that, you know, I've seen what God can do or I, I saw the Lord in that moment calling me, leading me. Uh, as believers, as church people, we know what this means. But if you are a new believer or if you're fairly fresh to uh, faith culture, uh, this may be somewhat of a surprise to you because you have heard scriptures or references where no man can see God, and indeed the Bible does say that. I want to try to clarify that because I want you in your life to have your own experience of God. Uh, I don't want you to just try to know God vicariously through a church or even through a preacher or a pastor. Uh, a church is given as a, a help and a spiritual completion. A pastor is given as a help and a guide. Neither of them are, are a replacement for a relationship, a personal experience with Almighty God. So uh, let's start at first principles. God is everywhere, yes. God is unseen. Uh, we refer quite a lot to the omnipresence of God. God is everywhere. Uh, there is, in the praise literature uh, written by uh, the psalmist, there is quite, quite a bit of celebration along these lines that uh, you can go to the very heights of heaven, there's no escaping God there, or you could descend to the depths of hell. Uh, even there, uh, God would be with you. His word would be uh, real. His presence would be real. There would be no escaping, not that any... Um, person would want to, but there is no escaping the presence of God. He is everywhere, and yet he is unseen, which is to say he exists in a realm that we as creatures of flesh struggle to access. Um, and so we have to see him, but in a different way. Um, if we are waiting for an appointment in the manner of some person who is in this realm of the flesh, we're going to be waiting a very long time because God is spirit, and they that worship him must worship him in a spirit and in true, as the apostle, in truth, as the apostle John wrote. Um, we do not see God flesh to flesh. Uh, we see God spirit to spirit, or as the pronunciation and the notation in the, in the translations of the scripture often show, human spirit is small s, and Holy Spirit is capital S. So we see him spirit, small s, human spirit, to Holy Spirit, capital S, divine spirit. This is the only way we can, we can know him. This is the only way we can uh, perceive him. Uh, Moses received direct from the Lord uh, this, this statement, you cannot see my face, for no man can see my face and live, Exodus 33 and verse number 20. Uh, this can, again, seem confusing because didn't Moses see the Lord? Not exactly. 
uh, it was as though the Lord took on a manifestation and showed some part of his essence that Moses could perceive. Now, this is a moment of uh, holy instruction because every person who follows in this path of faith is going to have the same thing, a God that is beyond the flesh, a God that, realms in e that lives in eternal realms and dwells in holy places. Uh, he chooses to manifest himself here in the realm in which we live, uh, the temporal, that limited by time, uh, the fleshly, uh, that which is biological, that which will pass away. And just as Moses had to see God, in terms of the things that God could show him, that he could take. So it is that God wants to show you his presence in your life. God wants to show me his presence in, in our life. And uh, yes, uh, we say, along with the prophets, things like Isaiah. This is Isaiah 6, verse number 5. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts, um, and then uh, a little few turns of the page later, we read John saying, no man has ever seen God, John 1 and verse number 18. So uh, what then is the case? Well, as I've explained, the Lord does not dwell in realms as we do. He is higher and we see him through uh, faith. Now, this is the important uh, issue, the, the essential element to understand how we temporal beings access the realm of the spirit. Um, not only do you need to know this, but you need, to, you need to be able to explain this because faith becomes the connection between God, what he's done and what he's promised, and me, what I can believe, what I can receive, and whether or not I will obey. This is the, this is the crux of the faith issue. If you can, then you have faith. Uh, you can claim the promise of God, you can believe the promise of God, and you can live out as though you knew it to be true, as though you had evidence, a scripture that is a promise that God has not yet done for you. The Lord has not yet returned to catch away his people. The Lord has not yet transformed our mortal bodies into immortality, into immortal bodies. Uh, he has not yet wiped every tear from our eyes, but he has promised to do so. And so we live in the tension between the promise of God and that which we have already seen. And here's the thing. It is not as though there is no witness for God. It is, that it is not as though God has not shown us his, uh, his greatness, his goodness. He has. You just have to have a heart willing to see and eyes ready to ready to perceive. And so uh, I wanna make one distinction here that I think is very helpful for all of us who are trying to draw nigh unto the Lord, to commit to a closer relationship with God. And, and that is this, uh, God is perceived in our relationship with him in a certain way, and he is manifest in the world in a slightly different way. Uh, let me explain a little bit more. We can perceive the, the, the existence of God. We can perceive the reality of God through his works. God has done mighty things. Um, we see the works of God and we perceive him almost as though we were a witness of his works. We were 
an observer of his works, do you see? Um, but in our personal life, it's not just that we observe, it's that we feel. Uh, it's not enough that we give witness, we need to experience. Now this is the whole point of the giving of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts. And this is the whole point as to why, uh, as a church, we want you to have your own experience with God. We want you to be able to testify of what God has done for you, not just as a list of things where the Lord did this and the Lord did that. That's the power of a witness. You need the power of an experience. You see, the disciples had seen many great things done by Jesus. They had the witness and the power of the witness, do you see? But on the day of Pentecost, it's not just a witness. They received the power of an experience. And in a shadow of uh, that moment at the anointing of the temple where 120 priests uh, were a part of a worship service that was to honor the dedication of the temple of the Lord, Solomon prays a prayer. And in that prayer is this beautiful vulnerable question where Solomon asks God, God, would you dwell with men? The heavens cannot contain you. You're everywhere. And you would dwell with men? And the Lord answers on that day by fire. The fire of the Lord falls. The Spirit of the Lord moves so greatly in that house that the priests could not minister. They were overwhelmed by the experience, but they had no word to give. Now, this is a sign of the purpose of the Holy Spirit expressed through the believer and the believer's life. In the Old Testament, the promise had not yet been given. And so when the priests are moved upon by the Spirit, they have no language, they have no... And remember, word is a sign of the ministry, uh, that which God would speak over you, the words that the Creator speaks over chaotic and troubled waters, and out of chaos and trouble comes order and creation. It's the word that brings uh, divine intention to the moment. And in the Old Testament, the, the promise is not given. And so 120 priests are, are here and they're moved on by the Spirit and they're overwhelmed by the Spirit and they cannot minister. But on the day of Pentecost, the question is again uh, brought to the forefront of the issue, would God dwell with men? And again, God answers with fire, Holy Spirit falls, cloven tongues like as a fire. That's the sign fulfilling uh, the moment of the dedication of the temple. The 120 priests are now uh, shadowed by 120 believers in the upper room. But now when the spirit of the Lord falls, the gift has been given. It's no longer uh, a kind of a, a spiritual, they're not on spiritual mute anymore. Now that word that is the sign of ministry, the speaking of God over troubled and chaotic waters, the word is there. Uh, we are recipients of the promise of God, do you see? And so in the New Testament, all of these believers had had the witness of God could heal, God could save, God could bring wholeness to the leper, God could absolutely raise the dead. Well, they were witnesses of all these things, but on the day of Pentecost, they receive an experience of these things. And this is how, in our individual lives, we begin to see the Lord high and lifted up, His train filling the temple. 
Um, you need to have in your life the ability to see the works of God. You need to have the ability to experience the presence of God because it is out of these two things, the works of God and the presence of God that your spiritual potential is going to be realized. Without God, you can do nothing. I can do nothing. I need to have the witness of his works and I need to have the testimony of his presence. And now I'm ready to do what was imaged in these passages that we're talking about. Now, when the Spirit of the Lord comes upon us, it doesn't just strike us mute where there's nothing to say. Now we have a word to give. Now you become a witness in your world. Now God uses your lips, that tongue which no man can tame, James says. God tames it and uses it for his purpose, and that is just simply a sign of what you're going to do. You see, there's no point for you to simply uh, display a gift of tongues uh, to yourself. Now, I'm not talking about that spiritual moment of divine intercession where the Spirit prays through you and the Lord speaks what you did not know to say. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the power of demonstration and witness. And remember, on the day of Pentecost, this sign is public. It happens publicly. And so uh, there would be no point for this. Do you see? It's not the sign alone. It is the sign plus the living out of the sign. And, and, and so the Holy Spirit is in our life. First, there's the, um, the moment, the sign. Uh, that may be water baptism. That might be a gift of uh, tongues as shown in the book of Acts. Uh, whatever that is, uh, that's the introduction. That's the sign. Now you live that out. And so uh, I want you in your life to have uh, the ability to perceive the works of God. And I want you to have the testimony of, of the presence of God. We should not just observe God. We should feel him. Uh, James says it, uh, 4 and 8 of his book, draw near to the Lord and he will draw near to you. So let's go through, as it were, a type of sequence of observing God and experiencing God. Number one, you can see God in creation. Now, no man hath seen God as an entity, as a spirit being at any time, but we have seen the evidences of God all through all through creation. I love Romans chapter number one. Paul says in verse number 20, for since the creation of the world, God's invisible qualities. What are those invisible qualities? His eternal power and divine nature have been clearly seen, being understood from what has been made so that people are without, without excuse. Um, we, we see God in creation. Secondly, uh, we see God in the blessings that he has bestowed generously upon us. James, again, uh, 1 and 17, every good and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Um, further, we see God manifest in the life of Jesus Christ. In fact, the most perfect manifestation of God's heart is in Jesus Christ. If you want to know God, look at Jesus. If you want to know God's heart, Look at Jesus. You should never uh, put yourself in some type of a scriptural competition where you're going to go with Paul's application to the church because you can't be Jesus. Paul is trying to get the church to live out Jesus. 
Um, we should not create these kind of arbitrary, even if you'll allow me to say be so bold, spiritually immature um, games where we try to pick a style and then you know, minimize the scripture that don't seem to support our style. Uh, we have Jesus as the highest star in our sky. You guys hear me say that a lot because that's just the best way I can describe it. Um, we see God in the life of Jesus. John 1, verse number 14, and the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we have seen his glory, glory as of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Uh, additionally, we see God in the miracle of the Bible. Yes, we see God, his hand, his heart, his ways in the miracle of the Bible. It is a miracle that we have this book that has been more singularly attacked than any other piece of literature in history. More kings, princes, you get the idea, have tried to destroy this than any other document in history. And yet here it is uh, not just survived, but thrived in, uh, in the world. Uh, there are more Christian believers than any other type of believer in, uh, in the world. Uh, we see God in the miracle of Scripture. 2 Timothy 3 and 16, all Scripture is breathed out by God and profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. Now, all of these things I have mentioned are things you can observe. You can look at them as a witness that speaks to God. But I would suggest to you, you need to go a step further. Even if you're the kind of the bookworm type, even if you're the, the study type, um, I am one of you. <laughs> um, it, you know, not, not everybody, you know, has chill bumps over everything that happens in their life. Not everybody bursts into tears. In fact, most people don't. Um, both is fine. Both is good. Uh, but I want you to know, even those of you who don't incline yourself to being emotional, I want you, I desperately, desperately want you to have a personal experience of God. Um, it won't necessarily be what I experienced because you're different. Uh, your path is different. Your gifts are different. Your personality is different. But you need an experience of God in, in your life. And I think uh, the best way to encourage that is to remind you that pursuing this is not about observing God. It's about experiencing God. What's the difference? Well, to experience God, I don't need to just have um, eyes to see. I have to have a heart to draw near. I have to want it. I have to desire his presence. I have to create room in my life to be a worshiper. I want to have eyes that see. In fact, I, I like that passage in uh, Matthew 13 and 16 uh, where Jesus says, but blessed are your eyes for they see and your ears for they, they hear. Uh, I want to have eyes to see and ears to hear. Uh, but that said, I cannot just be an observer of God's ways in creation. I cannot simply be a witness of God's gift and blessing, protection and spiritual gifts. I can't even simply be a participant of the miracle and demonstration of God's power shown in Holy Scripture. I need an experience with God. That is why at our church, uh, we start every service with worship. Now, we don't tell you how to worship. We don't make you feel guilty if you don't act a certain way or if you're not loud enough. There's churches that do, and if that feels real to you, I'm, you know, maybe you'll find your way to there, but that's not our style. People come as they are, and they authentically worship God. Some people are loud. Some people are in the quiet. They're both fine. 
The point is this, you need to experience God and that's not going to be simply by you observing him. That is very much going to be you experiencing him. You need to experience his presence in, uh, in your life. And so uh, we approach him the same way we see his hand. It's through faith. I believe, and um, here I'm going to take you back um, to that famous passage um, that without faith it's impossible to please God. We must believe that he is, that is observing God, and that he is the rewarder of them that's observing God. Excuse me, that's experiencing God. The first one I believe that he is, that's observing. Look at creation. Look at the blessings Look at his goodness. Look at scripture. Look even what he's done for me. That's observing. Experiencing is not just believing that he is, but believing that he cares, believing that he's a personal God. And this flies in the face of the philosophy of the day and the tremendous influence that Greece had upon, upon a Jewish life. This is, uh, we, we miss this, but let me just nerd out here for a moment and forgive me in advance. You know, the, the, first, the first translation of Scripture is called the Septuagint. Um, and it is not the translation of uh, Holy Scripture into, uh, into English. Um, it is translation of Holy Scripture, primarily Hebrew, uh, translated into Greek. Why did they need to translate Hebrew Scriptures into Greek? Because there were thousands and thousands of Jews who no longer spoke Hebrew. And they needed a translation for them in Greek. And so the first translation was the Septuagint, where these Hebrew books are now translated into the Greek. So all of these Jewish believers who do not speak Hebrew can now read the scripture. Do you see? That is how overbearing Greek culture was. And they believed in gods, but they did not believe in personal gods. They did not believe that a God uh, could care, a God would draw nigh, a God would be involved in your life. They said, sure, there's gods, but if a God cared too much about us, it would be as though he or she ungodded themselves. They no longer were worthy of the appellation uh, being called a God. You know, call them something else. Uh, maybe junior God, something. <laughs> you, you, you understand. Uh, they thought that was a foolishness. Um, and so here is the God of the scripture, and he's saying, I want to draw nigh to you. He's saying, I want to know you. Uh, praise and worship, uh, song and poetry, and the Old Testament is written in the terms of love. It's written in the terms of personal relationship, and the Greeks are like, oh, no, that, that's, that's not for real. You can't just be an observer. The Greeks were observers. You need an experience with God. You need an experience with, with God. You need your own testimony of how you feel his presence. And so uh, in the same manner we needed faith to see God working in the world, um, we need faith to draw nigh unto him. Um, he is close. Uh, he is as close as anything in your life. He's as close as a prayer. He's as close as a thought. In fact, the Bible gives us this image of him standing at the heart door knocking, seeing if you are ready to open your heart to him. Uh, he wants not just to be known of you in the sense that God created the world. He wants to be a friend with you. You don't just need to observe. You need an experience. And so 
I want to ask you to do a couple things. First of all, I want you to repent of anything in your life that is uh, in some way displeasing to God. You know that style of living is beneath your created purpose. It is as though it is beneath the model for which God created you, okay? Uh, repentance, as it, as it were, can clean your conscience and uh, then you have peace with God if your conscience doesn't condemn you. So we're going to begin with repentance. And then we're going to start thinking on a regular basis. And I mean regular. I, I mean like in the morning, um, every, time, every time you can have something you know you're going to do, uh, you're going to use that to remind you of this path of repentance, thanksgiving, worship. Repentance, thanksgiving, and worship. And so we're going to begin doing this we're going to begin repenting of our sins. We're going to begin uh, uh, thanking God for all the things we can observe in our life. And we're going to worship Him as though we're, we know He's near and we're going to experience His presence. Do you see all this, how all this hangs together? And we will, if we do this, have a sense of God with us. If you do this, you will have a sense of God with you. It'll happen right in the very stuff of which you are made right in the depths of your personality, the thoughts of your mind, you will begin to experience God. And if you'll do this, it'll be very natural for you not just to have eyes that see and ears to hear, but you'll have a heart to draw nigh unto the Lord, to walk near to Him. One step, He'll respond. One prayer, He'll step closer. He's looking to have that with you. When I say I've seen the Lord, I'm not saying I have seen Him like I saw my kids. But I'm saying, I see him everywhere I look. I see him manifest in everything in my life. I do that as an observer. But more, in my personal life, as I praise him and worship him, I see him uh, not just as an observer, but I experience him as one who has built a tabernacle of praise and worship. And he has inhabited that house uh, with his praise and with his worship. So in your regular life, I want to encourage you to do that. And then I want to encourage you to take times where you block out. You block out time and you say, this is about praising God, experiencing his presence. The best way to do that is come to church. We block out time. We have a whole band that just prepares you to step closer to God in praise and worship. The preacher delivers the word of God we know. Holy Scripture, that you might respond to that word by faith. Faith helps you perceive God. Uh, this, is, uh, this is really the way for us to have a sense of the nearness of God in our life. Every day is repentance, thanksgiving, and worship. And then we block out times in our week and we say, this time is for you. I didn't just come to show off my new hat. <laughs> I didn't just come to say hello to my friend. This is about you, God. And I'm here to intentionally worship you because I don't want to just observe. I want to participate. I don't want to just see. I want to have an experience in Jesus' name. Lord, I'm praying that all of us would draw closer to you than we've ever been. I pray that we would have a sense of your power near to us. I pray that each one of us would be, as it were, a dwelling place for, the, for your spirit. Let it be manifest in us in everything we do. Walk with us, O oh God. Let our testimony and let our uh, experience be powerful for ourselves and for others. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. God bless you all. We're gonna have a great Sunday. Why don't you block some time? Block it this Sunday, either 9.15 or 11 a.m. First Church, you're welcome to be 
in either service. We'd love to host you. God bless you. Have a great week. Thank you for listening to First Church Charlotte. If this podcast has blessed you, please rate it with four or five stars. By doing so, you will help others find our free podcast and bless them. If you're in the Charlotte, North Carolina area, come worship with us at 4929 North Sharon Amity Road. For information about service times, church ministries, and so much more, visit us online at firstchurchclt.com. If you would like to help support our efforts, please text GIVE to 704-445-5353. We pray God's richest blessings to you. Come worship with us.